Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 297, Spiel Digital Hotness. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony. So for the first time ever, I believe, it is not essence spiel hotness it's spiel digital hotness could you could you help out the uh, home audience about this <laughs> the spiel that's the big game yes. conference every year it takes place in essence so they call it essence spiel this year online it's not an essence it's in the digital space so unless you are in essence then it is in essence oh yeah that's true maybe some of it is <laughs> but officially spiel digital so that's what we're going to call it today um, and that's what it was it was Content upon content upon content, new game releases, new game announcements, everything we were kind of disappointed that Gen Con wasn't, Spiel Digital kind of almost was, you know? Having never been to Spiel, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool to be at least engaged in it and doing some of it and interacting with people and, in your case, actually producing content for it. So. Yeah, I was on TV, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you all for showing up at that early hour in the morning. It really meant a lot to have you there. And we had a great time with Repo's production. Actually being able to play with the team that put together, obviously with Anton Bauza, but the team that put together Seven Wonders, the new version, was a lot of fun. And our friend Steph from Board Game Geek. So that was great for me. And... That episode is still available, so I won't tell you what happened because it was an exciting finish. And the first, second, third place, even I think the fourth, like they were all like separated by one point. So if you'd like to check out that episode and see how I did against the hardcore Belgians out there, you can check that episode out on Twitch on Board Game Arena. So please check that out. It was a special episode, and I was extremely tired, but somehow I was able to pull that off. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good, man. It was really good. Like I, I was awake at that time. I was around the computer. I was watching Ish, but I was like home alone on dad duty, so there was no way I could join the the show. Unfortunately, due to some Aww. scheduling mix-ups we had. But what I saw between taking the dog out and making my kids toast was very good. <laughs> Well, to, to be fair, if there was ever a game I could play in my sleep, it is Seven Wonders. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely the right game to kind of roll out of bed and like, all right, it's, 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 I'm going science. Oh, no, I can't go science. Oh, no. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And it's something to definitely check out. It's a big step for us. And again, thank you all for being there. Thank you all for your support. And especially thanks everyone who supports us on Patreon because we would not even have close this technology and I would not have this mic if not for you. So again, thank you so much. Check it out. But Anthony, that's not the only Twitch video that we have up or going to have up. Tell our listeners about a little thing that we do. Little thing we like to call BGA Live. We run a live stream on uh, Board Game Arena's Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash boardgamearena every Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And it's awesome. We get together. We talk about one of the many, 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 many games on Board Game Arena. We kind of run through the news of the week. We do our question of the week. We invite everybody in the chat to get involved. Some weeks, if it's a lighter game, we play it ourselves. And if it's a heavier game, we have friends and um, colleagues and designers and developers on. And they play the game. And we kind of talk through it and 
help you all understand it. Maybe get people riled up over certain colors. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So make sure you join it. This week we are doing Trekking the World. So a little bit lighter game, something different. And hopefully it'll be fun. Yeah, it looks like a great game. It's on Board Game Arena, so you could check that out right now. But if you have not played it yet, definitely, as Anthony said, check us out on Wednesday. So a lot of fun there. And especially, you can watch the video on Board Game Arena. There's an embedded feed there. But we really would love for you to come on Twitch and subscribe so that you know everything that's coming up and it helps support the podcast. So that's what's going on with all the live content at least right now. We do have a big announcement coming up, but you might have to wait a week or so for that. But Anthony, we have a lot of other stuff that's going on with Board Gamers Anonymous. So why don't you let everyone know? Yep, we got our big old contest. We run this uh, every year or two, um, asking you all to tell us what your top 20 games are. So we're going to have our big episode 300 blowout here in about three weeks. We're, we're getting close. It's going to be our top 100 of all time. We do this every year, and it's, it's a ton of fun. But part of that is we want to know what your favorite games are. So episode 301 is going to be listeners' top 20 of all time. And to do that, we need you to tell us what your top 20 games are. Um, and we're willing to give away a game to make that happen. So if you head on over to BoardGamersAnonymous.com or the Facebook page, BoardGamersAnonymous, you can find a contest where all we're asking for is your name and email and a list of your top 20 games in whatever format you want to put it in. I will then take it and put it into the magic spreadsheet machine and we'll shoot out a top 20. So if you do that and you have a 20 uh, game list for us, you are entered into the contest and the winner's going to get to pick one of those 20 games from the final list as a prize. So it's easy. It's quick. Just copy and paste it out of board game geek. You don't have to like go crazy. Just, you know, if you've done your rankings or anything, just pull them out of there. We, we love doing this. It's one of our favorite episodes that we do. And the more people who participate, the better, because not only do we get a better representation in the top 20, but I get to look at all the different types of lists people have, which I always have a lot of fun with. Yeah, so absolutely, definitely check that out. One of our favorite lists every year. It means the most to us because we love to know what you guys are playing out there so that this way we know what to be talking about. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with Board Gamers Anonymous, BGA Live. And a little something that's coming up. How about our question of the week? Question of the week this week. And we, if you did watch the, the live show last week, BJ Live last week, you got a little preview of this. How many of the BGG Top 100 have you played? And which is your favorite? So uh, we asked this question last week on Facebook and Twitter. And then we also asked everybody on the BGA Live uh, Twitch chat. And uh, we... We mostly focused on like some of the ones that came up a lot or in our own. So I wanted to run through other people's answers to this question. Melanie says, I've uh, played 30 and own a few that still need to get played. Favorites are Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, Keyflower, Lords of Waterdeep, Roll for the Galaxy and Through the Ages. Uh, Matt says he's played 54 out of the top 100 and Dominant Species is their favorite. Brant, a friend of the show, Brant, has played all 100 because he's Whoa. an overachiever. Jeez. The only one who said they've played all 100. I have not played all 100 myself. His top three are Marvel Champions, Gloomhaven, and Gaia Project, all of which I love. So good nice. job, Brant. Really <laughs> nice. Yep. Brant's actually, we sat, I think he's the one that we first played Gaia Project with, where we sat down and kind of fumbled oh, wow. through the rules at PAX. Yes. So. <laughs> 
and you were like your eyes rolling back in your head by like the second hour you're like what are we doing i don't even know what's going on here i just want to go home (laughs) why have none of you played this (laughs) well if it makes if, if it makes anyone feel any better our friend dave on his own posted a picture of us at one of the envoy conventions where you and I are playing the Zaya project. <laughs> and I had a post there. I was like, Chris got the win. Anthony got a headache. <laughs> More than a headache. Got some rage. Well, was I was, trying, I was trying to be polite game. there. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's one of my uh, lesser gaming memories. There you it's go. A strong Dave. memory. It's a good story. There you go. All right. So some other answers here. Martin says he's played 56. Favorite is Anachrony. Um, Just recently discovered Too Many Bones, though, and it's growing on him quite a bit. We have Howard, friend of the show, mentions he's played 43. And recently he's all about Marvel Champions and Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. We have Scott, who's played 43. Orleans is his favorite. We have another Scott, who's played 35, and he's he's on on Mars right now. So everybody kind of has a different game that they love out of the top 100, which is kind of cool. We mentioned this on the show. I'm at 85, I believe. And mine is War of the Ring, because that is my number one of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was yours again? I'm at 81, and my you know, perennial favorite of all time has to be, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, Seven Wonders. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was there in the beginning. It's still there now. And it you know, obviously gets me up in the morning. So, yeah, Seven Wonders. <laughs> it's true. You can literally say that now. That's good. It's true. Not to mention all of the expansions out there as well so yeah there's there's a lot of great games out there and the list does change so if you've never checked out the top 100 you should because again we just ran through the top 100 on our last two episodes and again there is not a bad game in there it's just a matter of like do you like this more than the other so the community at board game geek all of the gamers out there, everyone who rates their games has done an excellent job. So check those lists out. All right, Anthony. So that's going to be what's up with our listeners. If you would like to let us know all of the fun things, especially all the fun games that you are getting out to the table or your personal top 100, or especially your top 20, definitely hit us up on all of our social media BoardGamersAnonymous.com is the website with more content than you would imagine could ever be produced for board gaming. Our Facebook, our Twitter, our guild on Board Game Geek, which I don't think anyone goes to, but it's there nonetheless. And of course, now we are on Twitter. We are on Patreon that has special episodes. Anthony and I are going through all of our games in our collection. We have never revealed that before. The joy, the shame, everything that goes into it, it is on the special episodes on patreon.com slash BGA. So check that out and cry and laugh with us as we go through that top list. And of course, we would love to hear from you just in general. So wherever you are, board gaming, hit us up. We would love to get a game with you to the table. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's going on with us. Let's get on to the games that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. Yeah, my acquisition disorder this this particular week is one actually went up on Kickstarter a while ago. So when you hear this, it only has like a day or two left. But I wanted to mention it because this is a game I got a chance to play really early on. Um, I, I was invited to a special like 
I, I don't know if it's a play test or just like a sit down of it, but um, it's called Crescent City Cargo by Jason Dinger. Yeah, he his only game released so far is Captains of the Gulf, which was a Spielworks release, which means they only made like a thousand copies of that thing. And most people have not seen it or played it. So you probably have no idea who he is or what that game is. But I got a chance to sit down and play Crescent City Cargo with him. Uh, as well as the designer of Pipeline, and then Uli, who runs Spielworks. So got to learn a lot about this game and kind of where it was coming from. And I really enjoyed it, plus I won. So it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> uh, it's up on Kickstarter right now. It's a partnership between Spielworks and Stronghold. So it's obviously, they're going to print more than a 1,000 copies this time. They are already backed. They have like 500 plus backers. So it is a economic game. And the the idea of this is that you're, moving stuff around in the port and trying to obviously generate points. So on your turn, you can do one of seven different things. You can get goods from the warehouse. You can deliver those goods to trucks in the port area. You can build and upgrade your trucks to, of course, make them more efficient and carry more stuff. You can build offices that give you special bonuses and kind of make the game more asymmetrical as you go. You can hire workers because you need them to both deliver stuff and run the trucks in the offices, or you can advance in the administrative tech track so you'll get more abilities to upgrade all those basic actions so it's kind of like a fairly straightforward uh pick up and deliver type of mechanic but with a lot of different like euro layers placed on top of it i'm not a huge fan of like traditional pick up and deliver because they often tend to tilt a little more towards the just sprawling dice throwing big long kind of game i know there's a few really good straight euro pick up and deliver type of games but this one hits that pretty well for me so i really enjoy it quite a bit and i mean i've only played it the one time but i did like it a lot i remember thinking like when is this coming out i want to i want to check it out so it's up on kickstarter now um you can back this alone i believe for 59 dollars, or you can back it along with uh captains of the gulf which they're reprinting with this um, and and get that on board there, I think, for 100 to get both games. So a pretty good deal because Spielworks games are typically 100 bucks out of the gate by themselves. I mean, that's what Captains of the Gulf originally cost. So you're spending about half that and you're getting a slightly better version of it <laughs> because they're going through Kickstarter and they've upgraded a lot of the mechanics. We've got solo, role, solo rules thrown in there. Um, the game's been streamlined a little bit in the case of the Captains of the Gulf. And yeah, just in general, I'm excited for this. I I wish more people were backing it, honestly, because I feel like it's these are games that people are going to enjoy. They're going to want to play. Um, and I know a lot of people were like foaming at the mouth to get uh, Captains of the Gulf, but it's hard to find. And now here it is. So anyways, if you like Euro games, if you like pick up and deliver mechanics, if you like, I don't know, that kind of economic mix thrown in with uh um, kind of the, the asymmetrical power upgrade path that you get in a lot of good economic euros. Check this one out, Crescent City Cargo. I can't speak to Captains of the Gulf, but I've heard good things. They are both up on Kickstarter now. Excellent. Yeah, it's nice to see a you know Spielworks game up there. They make great games. And as you're saying, there's a lot of options, obviously, to pick up different or additional games here, which, again, you don't always see. So that's nice. Which which uh which backer level would you recommend? Um, they have just you know, there's only the two options. You can either back it alone, Crescent City Cargo, or you can get both games together. 
There doesn't appear to be an option to only get Captains of the Gulf by itself. Okay. Which is odd, but um, I'm going for both because then you get them for 50 bucks a piece, or you could just get Crescent City Cargo for 60 Again, I can't speak to Captains because I haven't played it, but I really did like Crescent City Cargo quite a bit. Um, and that was even in like the early form, like over a year ago. So I'm sure it's been polished up a little bit more. And it looks really nice. Like the artwork's great, um, solid components. So yeah, solid. All right. So if you want to pick that up, the Kickstarter runs out on Friday, October 30th. So you still have a little time left. Check that one out. All right. So I want to talk about a Kickstarter that I mentioned a couple of weeks back, not too long ago, that was coming out for one of my, I would say, favorite games with an asterisk. I mean, I think, in fact, this is that game, right? So there's a lot of games I love. There's a lot of games I like. And there's just some other games. (laughs) So this happens to be one of those games where it, it, it has its own category. It's Grand Austria Hotel. Let's Waltz Expansion and Deluxe Upgrade. So this is the first big expansion and deluxe upgrade for their award-winning game. It's in the top 100 or it kind of like floats around the 100 mark based upon when you actually watch this up there. But this is a game from Lookout. And this has been a game that I've talked about a lot because, as I mentioned, I really do enjoy this game a lot because it has so many interesting mechanics in particular, a lot of these dice rolling, and then, and then once you roll the dice, then choosing the dice lets you choose, you know, an action. And then in, based again, based on how many dice are out there, you are going to get a certain power. Now, this is a game from Simone Luciani and uh, Virginio uh, Gilly. And again, great game, nice Euro game. And basically what you're doing is you're running a hotel and cafe and you're trying to make this grand austria hotel out of this little kind of startup and basically the game centers around choosing actions in order to benefit your guests at the tables so these guests come out to the tables and you are trying to get them not only to your cafe by being able to get what they need so it might be a piece of cake it might be coffee whatever it might be you're trying to get the resources in order to be able to gain that particular person. And then as you gain that guest, you are going to put them in a hotel room, matching the color of the door in your hotel. And this is where the kind of the game kind of explodes almost into kind of like a point salad situation, because depending on where you place them and depending on the color and depending on the bonus cards you have, you're going to score tons and tons of endless amounts of points throughout the game. And then there's a lot of different scoring opportunities. And again, the main mechanic here is dice selection as giving you actions and special abilities, employees that you'll be able to draft. They'll give you some special abilities and then all the type of victory points as possible. So hopefully you've had an opportunity to play Grand Austria Hotel. Again, I recommend it with a big asterisk. The asterisk happens to be that the employee cards, which are kind of, you know, a deck of random cards that come into the game. This happens in a lot of games, not not just this game, but the employee cards are very powerful or they should be. And the employee cards are going to give you resources. They're going to give you special abilities and they're going to give you end game points. The challenge happens to be 
that you might get an employee card, which are hard to come by, that gives you one piece of cake. I might get a card that scores me 12 points at the end of the game. So just by the luck of the draw, that happens to be what's available on the board or in the deck, and you're going to have a bad game. So again, it was always that kind of problem with that deck that really kind of like, I like the game, but just kept me at arm's reach. Now, this expansion adds a whole bunch of different things. In fact, it, it offers a number of different modules. So the waltz section, module number one, is all about having your guest, instead of going to the hotel, have them dance at one of the different ballrooms. Now, these additional ballrooms add champagne as another resource in the game. And you have to pay champagne, or I guess provide champagne to your guests in order to get them on the dance floor, which is pretty fun, right? It's very thematic, very cool. So there are five different boards. You will, again, depending on the players and depending on the setup, you will select a certain number of boards. And based upon where you place your customers, or I guess your guests, out onto these particular boards, you are going to score either money or victory points. There's a number of different things based upon the board. So that adds another thing to do with your people instead of putting them in the hotel. Pretty fun. In addition to that, there's going to be more cards. So there's going to be more guests in the game. There's going to be some more employees in the game. There's going to be some additional board components that are going to be added to the base of the game because now you have to have an option to send your people off to, to waltz. So that's going to be added to the actual game itself. There's going to be additional dice mechanic that's going to be added. So you'll add this different dice mechanic where you'll be able to pick up champagne. Champagne's not easy to come by, obviously very expensive. So that's the main module of this expansion. So it's an additional thing you can do, which is great. It doesn't radically change the game, but what it does mean is that the card deck is also going to become a little more challenging because again, if you do get one of those bonus cards that's all about dancing or all about the hotel, that's really going to guide what strategy you're going to build in this game. Now, beyond that, there's Module 2. Module 2 is all about these celebrity guests that come to the hotel. And in this situation, you'll have an opportunity to draft a colored die. And that colored die will give you victory points. You'll have to pay a lot for that particular guest. But they're going to give you a really cool special ability. It's a little sideboard. It doesn't add too much more to the game, but if you want to play with that, that's kind of fun. Next is a module number three, which is going to alter the initial setup. So when the game first starts off, you'll have the opportunity to have like a little bit of more of an asymmetrical starting situation. So the entrance to the hotel now has an opportunity to not start with the standard resources that everyone's going to get in the game, but now you're going to have a unique hotel. So you'll be able to score points differently and gain different resources than everybody else will. So you'll start with something unique and you'll play with something unique. This is very similar to Lorenzo Il Manifico's expansion where you pick a certain family and you'll get resources and a scoring bonus. Finally, there is a new module, which is the star player. Now, if you've never played this game before, one of the really big challenges with the game is 
is since you're going to be drafting two dice on a turn, if you're the first player, you're also the last player to go. So again, if you're playing a four-player game, you draft your first die, and you have to wait until everyone drafts all their dice before it comes back around to you. That leads to a lot of downtime in this game. What the fourth module does is allows you to pick out or, I guess, forego an action in order to get the start player, or in this case, the skeleton key, in order to be the first player in the game. So this adds an additional little sideboard that goes into the game. Obviously, this is here to correct some of the challenges where you're just waiting for your turn throughout the game, and it's kind of problematic. So think, I would say, like Lords of Waterdeep, where you're kind of skipping an action to be able to go first because you get first access to the good stuff. Well, that's pretty much what is going on here. I should also mention that they deluxified the game. So basically what that means is there's new card artwork. There is new upgraded components. There's a lot of components in this game, a lot of the different little chits, a lot of the food cubes are actually now whatever the pieces of food and drink happen to be. So You'll get 120 shaped wood resources. You'll get some new additional random pieces like first player markers and things like that. If you do have the base game, you can pick an upgraded pack that just replaces the pieces and the card art, which is great. I really appreciate them doing that. That means a lot. If you don't own the base game, you can also pick the base game up here as well. There's a lot of different backing levels here because there's a lot of extras that you can back here. You can add on to the game. There's sleeves, there's a dice tower, there's an insert. There's a lot of stuff here. And in fact, they do have an add-on bundle where you can actually buy everything all at once. It's pretty expensive, but you'll have an opportunity to pick up all the things. They're adding stretch goals. I'm not sure at the end, I guess we'll find out, how much new stuff is Kickstarter exclusive, Right now, there's only a couple of things, but if you've never played Grand Austria Hotel and you're interested, this would be a great way to pick it up. Or maybe, again, look at the Kickstarter exclusive stuff and figure out if it's worth backing now or purchasing later. This project will wrap up on Saturday, November 21st. You have plenty of time to check it out. That's Grand Austria Hotel, Let's Waltz, Expansion, and Deluxe Upgrade. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I dig it. I, Done. I, like, <laughs> I did it. I did it, folks. <laughs> I would have been in either way. It's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love this podcast. You listen every week. <laughs> oh, that's true. I do. Man, you got me. Uh, it's funny, actually. I, I saw this on the spreadsheet this morning. I'm like, wait, is this on Kickstarter? I so I might have missed it anyway, as if you hadn't mentioned it. So there you go. Come on. How many times have you actually backed something after I talked about it? Come on. Come A on. Lot. A lot. <laughs> All right, the next the next time uh, my wife sees you, uh, <laughs> y'all get to have a chat. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, so that's our acquisitions for this week. There's plenty of other great stuff out there, but let's get on to the games that hit the table this week. Let's talk about our at the table. So, Anthony, what did you get to the table this week? All right, so... Uh, I got Roman Roll to the to the table. Um, this is a roll and write game from Nick Shaw and David Turchi um, from PSC Games. And PSC Games, they're known for kind of 
not quite i mean they're war games but like middle weightish not like the big heavy duty stuff so like quartermaster general lincoln blitzkrieg lighter things more creative takes on the wargaming formula um rome and roll is not really any of that although it does take a very popular um time period and theme from um many war games uh you know ancient rome and it's it, what you're doing effectively is you are building up rome um collaboratively so there's a center board at the middle and you have your pen and you're going to take various actions um based on the dice that you roll and when you build something it's going to go onto the center board based on where your particular uh piece is so you're going to move that around and you're going to be able to build there next to everybody else and where you build will impact how you interact with everybody so if you build next to somebody else's stuff you get a bonus for that they get to activate their building so on and so forth right um there are many different uh actions that you can take in this game um so you can build you can um muster up forces you can go and uh clear out settlements invade whatever you want to call it <laughs> um, build roads outside of rome into these different settlements there are unique character abilities uh everybody's board is asymmetrical so you can utilize things like food and jewelry to upgrade the characters on your sheets uh, they each have two four different things you can upgrade and then they give you special abilities that you can start to use throughout the game you can also get points from doing that so how you're trying to ultimately win this game is as you max out certain tracks so you can get a lot of coins you can build up your army you can you know settle things a lot <laughs> build a lot of roads whatever um once you reach a certain point and the point at which you reach that is different for every player board you'll be able to take one of the cards from the uh, victory point pile, right? When that pile of cards is empty, so enough people have finished things, the game ends. So that's kind of the timer for everything. Otherwise, you're going to keep going around and around and around. Um, all these actions you take are on the dice. So at the beginning of every round, uh, you're going to roll all the dice, and people will take turns drafting them until you have two. And then on those dice is various icons. So there's going to be like resources printed on them as well as action icons and some bonus icons. You choose how to use them. Sometimes you have to use the action icon to do the thing. Sometimes you can use any die to do certain other actions. I'm not going to run through every combination because despite this being a roll and write, the game is actually fairly complex, uh, relatively speaking. Like it's in the three to three and a half weight range, which for a roll and write is pretty heavy, right? Like it's up there probably even higher than like fleet dice. Like it'll, it would take me probably 20 minutes to teach this game instead of like the five of a typical roll and write. That's not a bad thing. Um, I do think it's a big barrier. <laughs> That's going to put off a lot of people from trying to pick this up. And it does make the game fairly long and a little bit messy. So one thing I was thinking as I was playing the game is that really the only reason that it's roll and write is that you are building different types of buildings that are different, like polyomino shapes on in the city center. So this could have just been a normal board game if they'd you know found a different way to do that. And you could even have like the Aristide buildings, and it would cost more. But it's certainly, I don't know. There's something about it where it feels like they're trying for the gimmick, they're overreaching for the gimmick, and it doesn't quite click for me personally. It's a decent game. I like the mechanics. It takes too long. You know, for this kind of game where 
accidentally rubbing your hand the wrong way across one of the player boards can erase your progress and end end the game it shouldn't be 90 minutes long so yeah i really want to like it mechanically it's good there's just something that doesn't quite work runs a little long um and yeah i don't know it's a I'm in the middle on this. I did back this on Kickstarter, so there's that bias as well. But I, I think I am leaning towards Dodge. And I hate to say that because David Turchi is fantastic. Nick Shaw does a lot of solo, you know, implementations. The one thing I'll say is I haven't played it a ton in like with other people because of, you know, <laughs> being stuck inside. So it could just be like playing multi-handed or playing solo just isn't quite what I want it to be. But take that for what you will it's not as much as i was hoping for it's missing something that i can't quite place my finger on it's it's similar to how i felt like playing dice settlers where i'm just like man these mechanics are great why don't i like this game more and i can't quite nail it down like what is missing it's i think it's just overly complicated in certain ways that the mechanics interact with one another and you just never quite have your head wrapped around it as a result so roman roll it's a very, very borderline dodge to play for me. Um, I'm probably going to give it another couple plays, if that means anything for you guys. It's not. It's something I want to like. It's got a basic core there that I really want to enjoy, and I just can't quite get there. So there you go. Roll and roll. I mean, maybe it's a bias that I have with roll and write games, and I'll admit that right off the bat. I think they're okay but they always seem like a, a either an incomplete game that could have been done with components or it should be a filler game. And I think this reminds me a little bit of Welcome to the Las Vegas version of it, where it's like they had Welcome to, and it's a good game, and I like it a lot. It's it's definitely highly rated for me on that. And then they were like, we want to add more stuff to it. And I'm like, great, I love more stuff. And then the game was just way too long and complicated for a roll and write. So this seems like I was really excited about this. Like you said, the designer alone, but I was like, Oh, this is awesome. I, I know sometimes in board gaming, there's typically the board game version comes out and then comes out like a dice game or a card game. And then finally a roll and write. Could we, I mean, I would love for this game to kind of be upgraded to a real full board game just because I think it's a good game. But like you said, 90 minutes for a roll and write. Yeah, and it, that's the thing is it doesn't even feel like a roll and write. It's just it's using that mechanic, and the reason it's using that mechanic is because of the fact that you're drawing things on the central board. So it makes sense; it needs to be that. But in my brain, I'm just like, is there some other way we could do this? I don't know how. I don't know what it is. Like I, I'm not a designer, and I can't quite crack that in my brain. But and it's not to say that you can't have more complicated roll and writes. Like Fleet the Dice game is fantastic. It's one of my favorite games from last year because it does it really well. And that game is longer. It takes an hour, hour and a half. And I'm okay with that because it works. It, it just works in terms of the engine building. This one is almost point salad Yeah, I think it's part of it. It's just, which is, I think a lot of roll and rights are point salad but this one in particular, you're just like, you can go any of these like six different paths. There's no real clear indication of how to do it. The buildings that are available every game are random. They're not random, but they're different. So you're not always even playing with the same buildings, which it's variable so some people might look at that and like that's great but in a game like this where you're trying to manage that on top of the asymmetrical player board on top of the what everybody else is doing on the on the drawing and like i don't know something and then the randomness of the dice on top of that it just doesn't gel sure 
you know, it's again, it just reminds me of like when we had played Roll Through the Ages for so long, which was a roll and write. It was I don't know if you if it's the first roll and write, but it was like the big roll and write as far as what I knew when coming into board gaming. And then later on they had era uh, medieval age and it's like oh this is the same game but it's a full board game version of that roll through the ages i love roll through the ages i think it's great so yeah all right yeah i mean era era is a funny one i think i gave that one a, like a middling grade on here too and it actually grew on me a little bit i kept it so that's why i want to keep playing this because i'm like maybe it'll grow on me but right now it's i don't know <laughs> it's not doing it gotcha well i got a game to the table that I, that was like for me at least, hotly anticipated. Way back on episode 198, we talked about a game that we had an opportunity to play at PAX Unplugged in Philly. It was a surprising game from a small designer from uh, Dan Halligan, and it was called Obsession. And it was this throwback to, you know, all of those wonderful British dramas and all of that kind of, and a throwback to the Victorian era, all those wonderful stories that we've kind of grown up with throughout. And it had this really unique card building situation where you're building up your deck and your deck is all of these different people who would visit your estate. And then your estate itself had servants that would activate different events. And the different events on your board were these really nice chunky tiles that required certain servants and when you actually had an event or you went on a picnic or whatever whatever the particular event happened to be it would score additional points and you would gain reputation and prestige and money and you were able to put yourself in a better higher position with you know in victorian england which was very very important so again it was one of those kind of like it was dripping with themes the text on the cards were amazing. The, the the rule books, like everywhere you could find parts of this game, there was flavor text everywhere. The the artwork, everything about this game was just like radically different and in- interesting and engaging. So they had this on Kickstarter. It came out. It was it was a, a fairly big success. Not huge, but a fairly big success. And he did a recent big box version of this. And it was going to be packaged with their his new expansion, which is Upstairs, Downstairs. So, like, we got a Downton Abbey kind of thing going on here. So, this new expansion does a whole bunch of different things. Again, if you have never played Obsession, again, even if you're not into that whole Downton Abbey kind of thing, I highly recommend it. Because I'm not into it, and I really love this game. Because, again, it's deck building, it's tableau building... And it's, you get to mess with your neighbors and such. And it has like family drama and intrigue and stuff like that. Asymmetrical starting powers. Like it's a really great game. This expansion actually does a couple of things. So first off, this expansion right off the bat corrects some problems with the base game. Now, when we look at Kickstarter right now, I would say 80% of the time, and I, when I say 80% of the time, I mean typically 80% of the time the games that we tend to talk about. There's a lot of Kickstarters out there that are mom and pop games like Obsession is. So this was a real Kickstarter. You know, like a, a designer who self-funded this game. It came out. It did great. His own company. This was not like, 
oh, it's the 15th Simon game, right? They have a whole staff of people. Now, this is somebody who is designing a game from scratch. This was somebody who put his heart into it. And there were some challenges with the game. So you don't need to back the expansion to get these changes kind of put in. But if you do get the expansion and obviously, or if you get the full base game, there's going to be some differences in it. So I want to run through these really quickly because, again, I think it's very important for you to know. So first off, it switches up the first player. There was a challenge in the initial game that was a problem where if you were the first player and then you were not, you became the second player. You had to wait a long time to come back around. So there was a lot of downtime this game. That is now corrected. The objective cards, and because you're going to score points in this game based upon these particular objective cards, were, you know, again, a little bit like Randall Street Hotel. They were kind of random what you were getting as far as score points. That's now been corrected. There was a tile in particular that stole reputation from other people. That's fine, but if you got that tile early and you could really kind of like abuse it, you were killing everybody in that game. That's now been fixed. So if you back the base game and not even the expansion, you will get the tiles that fix the base game. Primarily, what this game adds or what this expansion adds to the game is it adds new servants. So in the in the base game, you had a number of servants that were needed in order to activate certain cards or certain tiles. This expansion adds new servants that are will supplement certain actions and abilities in the card. So they're not going to be required, but if you happen to have a servant available of a certain type, they're going to give a bonus to your cards and to your tiles. So for example, you could have the cook and the cook is going to raise the family's reputation. And that's really important because in order to invite certain guests or certain cards into your hand, you are going to need reputation. So having a famous cook is going to be able to do that. And obviously it helps with your prestige ratings because you can't put on certain events or bring certain people in otherwise. There's a whole boy that's going to add to the cards and it's going to give you more money because money is very tight in this game. There is a head housemaid that is going to upgrade a lot of the cards in the game. So instead of just taking one card and getting stuck with it, now you'll be able to take two cards and then choose what you want. There's also a, a character in this game called the Useful Man. He's kind of the handyman of the game. He basically does pretty much everything in the game. So it kind of evens things out a little bit because when you play Obsession, it is possible for one player to get such a great tableau and be able to just get lucky from the, the bag pull or what's on the market and then run away with the game. With the new servants here, you can upgrade your mediocre actions to be better. So if you did not get that great tile, but you have an okay one, go for the servants, put them on that tile, and now you're scoring real points. There's some additional changes throughout the game, but basically these supplementary servants are going to be drafted uh, that's highly recommended because this way it doesn't take much longer. The expansion has a lot more cards. It has additional family. So now you could play this game up to six players. That being said, it even says in the rule book and it even said in the video, it has not really been fully play tested. Six players is going to take a long time. You can play competitively in teams. So from four to six. So if you want to play two twos or, or two threes, you could do that as well. 
I haven't played that yet. I played straight out four players at the table. This game also has a solo challenge. The solo challenge for this, I just skimmed through the rules. Looks very good. I think it's primarily a great way to play this game. Not happen to be a solo player. I'll leave that to Anthony. But beyond that, it adds more tiles. It adds more cards. It adds more stuff. If you get the super big box, a deluxe version, it adds a new box and new storage components to it. Overall, Obsession is a buy. It still remains a buy. The extra stuff does get a little cumbersome because there are a lot of cards and there are a lot of tiles. So it does start to border on. It's not there, but it does start to border on being a lifestyle game because it just has so much content in the box. This is kind of like almost a mini version of like a Gloomhaven where there's just endless cards and endless families and all the things that you could do throughout the game. So new boards, new cards, great stuff. If you haven't played Obsession, definitely play it. Even if you don't feel like the theme is for you, the mechanics are great. This expansion fixes a lot of things. There's an errata online. So even if you do have the full super deluxe version now, there are still some rule changes that are out there. I would say, honestly, bear with the designer. He's a single guy putting the soul together. It's still a great game. Worth the buy or definitely a play at the very least. Obsession. Yeah, I back this too. I have it sitting like actually right behind me because it's on my uh need to play this soon list so i'm uh and everything you said about the original release 100 agree uh, <laughs> i actually played it with you when we first played at pax <laughs> and went out and found a copy and backed the kickstarter but have not had a chance to play any of the new stuff yet so definitely excited to do that yeah i'd recommend the solo play because it really looks like he put a lot of work into it and again it's one of these kickstarters where he got so many backers, he was just throwing stuff in left and right. So there are certain cards and certain tiles that are not balanced or are like way powerful. So be careful when you throw everything in because that could be an, a really bit of an odd game. So that's a little bit of a problem for this game that you do have to kind of like figure out what to use and what not to use. But overall, a high play. And again, if you do love the game, then I would recommend a buy. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's hitting our table. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are wrapping up all of the big conventions. Of course, the big one this year, Spiel Digital Hotness. We're talking about the games that came out. We're talking about all the new releases and what you should be looking for upcoming in this holiday season. So, Anthony, you've always been the guru of the hotness. What are we looking at for this convention? Yeah, so uh, we're going to get creative here because the thing about uh, Spiel this year is that nobody could physically go there. And while a bunch of games were released and a few others announced, they weren't necessarily things that everybody was able to pick up, or at least not yet. So um, we're going to go off the BGG hotness right now because it is pretty indicative of what happened over the weekend, but maybe with a few tweaks or additions in there as well. So Yay! Yeah, <laughs> it will not be straightforward. And uh, some of these games we've already talked about, too, so we might skim past them a little bit. Um, so there's 15 games on the hotness. Let's run through those first. Number one, or number 15, sorry, counting backwards, is Wingspan. Why Wingspan, you say? Well, because Wingspan is uh, has a new expansion coming out, which some people have their hands on already and are testing and showing and playing um, Oceania. So... Uh, 
Uh, I know that they're shipping to general reviewers right now, and a handful of people already have it in hand. So you can go on YouTube, you can go on BGG, you can see videos of the new expansion. I have, it looks great. So looking forward to that. Um, next up is Nemesis. Nemesis, <laughs> I feel like we talk about this once every five to six months. Neither one of us is ever going to play this game, but we've we've spilled many words over it. Uh, yep. It is Alien the board game. It's from Awaken Realms. It's number 38 on the top 100 somehow. I think just a new print just came in. My local store got copies in like last week. So a bunch of people picked it up before Halloween. That's why it's here. That's why I think it's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Under Falling Skies. So I actually got a copy of this sent through to me from CGE. This is a solo game that was originally a nine card print and play. It is not a nine card print and play anymore. I was expecting a tiny little uh, deck box for this thing. It's a big box. It's like a code name style, code names sized box full of stuff. It's like a full blown legacy campaign style game now with like hidden content and scenarios. I have, they sent both the regular version of the game to play and then like a demo version because there's so many things you can spoil in the base box. So I think this one is hitting a little bit harder than some people expected because they're like, oh, wow, there's a lot in here. I'll be playing this in the next week or so, and I will do a review here on the podcast. I might even do a video because they gave me the demo version and I can do that. Yeah, I know this one is, even for me, I didn't expect as much as, as what is in here, but that's why this one's hot right now. Uh, it's a CGE's small box release for the fall. Gloomhaven, it's just always on the list. So, <laughs> yep. Because people are still playing it. They haven't gotten through it yet. It's really no. long. <laughs> I'm going to be playing this for 30 years. I'm on like, I think number 19. Cause I, I did pull it out like a couple months ago and I went through like five or six of them, but that's like as many as I can do. I'll do five or six. And then I put it away for six months. So, Jeez. I'm never going to finish this. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, number 11 is grand Austria hotel. Um, Chris just told us why. So we don't have to go into that. It's a an expansion guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raiders of Scythia at number 10. This is the new Renegade game. This one did come out over the weekend and then like immediately sold out everywhere. So either everybody wanted it or they didn't make very many. Not really sure. Um, <laughs> but it's a re-implementation of Raiders of the North Sea with a new uh, kind of spin on the artwork and a new layout and implementing some of the mechanics of the various expansions and upgrades and errata. So I'm actually interested in this. I never played Raiders of the North Sea, but this one looks good. Yeah, neither have I. Uh, God loves gods. I'm sorry, love dinosaurs. So this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek, goofy-looking little game where you are playing presumably some kind of deity, um, <laughs> putting uh, dinosaurs out and building up your own little ecosystem. So small box. I think it's like thirty or forty bucks. Um, mm -hmm. It also seems to have sold out everywhere over the weekend uh, when it sure. came out, uh, and. It's just another in the Pandasaurus line of, hey, look, we do dinosaurs now games. Uh, next up on the list is Descent Journeys in the Dark, which doesn't have anything new coming out. But you know what is coming out? Descent Legends of the Dark. <laughs> and that's why it's there. Because there's yep. not a, yeah, there's no information up there yet. So other than the price, which is a lot. Yeah, so they, they have finally put up a page for Legends of the Dark, but it hasn't pushed no into the... Yeah. It's not in the hotness yet, and there's nothing there. Yeah. But we did get like a bunch of information from Fantasy Flight. They put pages up. 
So we have a giant box game. It looks like it's their version of Gloomhaven, but with an app. And it's $175. Bam! That's all I know about it. I, I was like, once I saw the price, I was out. I'm like, no, I'm good. They should just name it $175, the Dungeon Crawl. And you'll be like, I get it. I get it. But it, they, they do have a little short video up for it, which basically shows the 3D terrain and the miniatures look pretty great. So I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. It's just it's $175. So again, it's another one of those big games where it's an investment before you even get it to the table. So hopefully we get to the table. So we'll let you know if it's worth the investment because... I think this was something you and I had talked about a long time ago, way back when we when we kind of predicted this was going to happen, which is games are getting more and more expensive. They're almost like buying a console now at this point. And that's fine. I want these designers to make all the monies. I really do. I love these designers. And I honestly would just give them all the monies if I had all the monies. I don't. So unfortunately, uh, they have to charge all the monies. That being said it's hard to get these games to the table because it, it, it it's almost becoming an arm and a leg or at least a 3d arm and a leg <laughs> or something like that. It's, I don't know. Much yeah, and the, the crazy thing too, is that this is act one of three. I know <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a full game, which I know. I, know, I know we're being kind of hypocritical because we've both bought games on Kickstarter that with all the content costs like $300. Oh, sure. I know that and, guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's me. <laughs> oh no. The Kickstarter backers coming from inside your house. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. With the price combined with the fact that there's more stuff coming out, combined with the fact that it's an app based game and a lot of people just don't want to buy those, I guess we'll see how it does. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not, there's a ton of people who want it. I don't know. I'm not criticizing the, the price. I want this. I'm just saying it's just hard to know if it's worth the price because it is that you know, that big. I mean, even Gloomhaven when it first came out was not that expensive, right? What was it? Like 80 bucks or something when the first, the yeah, first well, version. Yeah. The first well, Kickstarter. Yeah. It was, it was, it was 80 bucks, but then he kept adding stuff and eventually he was like, I'm losing money. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But at least people got to play it. It got out there in, in, the, in the, you know, the ether. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll see how it does. It's supposed to come out in quarter two next year. So like April or May. So we'll, we'll see how it does. So save up your quarters. Yeah, no kidding. You have time to oh. save. <laughs> All right, next one up is the big new Stefan Feld game. He has two new games that came out. Uh, there's Castles of Tuscany, which is actually shipping now from some places. My copy is in the mail somewhere. And then Bonfire, which is the big one. Um, this is like re-implementing some of the mechanics from like Luna and uh, some of his other games. And I don't know, it looks bonkers which is great. I love his bonkers games like Aquasphere or Luna or just like these games that are just like, let's let's not do ancient Rome anymore. Let's not do castles in the middle of France. Let's go crazy, <laughs> right? That's what Bonfire looks like. It hopefully is coming out soon. I think the last thing I saw about US release is like end of November. So that stinks, but, you know, not too long to go. Um. Number six on the list, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which, again, no new content or anything. It's just always here, and people are always talking about it. Um, I have a copy sitting around here somewhere I got from Target. I have not opened it, actually. I ironically opened up the big box instead of opening that one <laughs> last month when I opened, pulled this out. Cloud Age is the new Alexander Fisker game, which mm -hmm. uh, moved up on the list a little bit. This one is coming from Capstone Games, I believe, 
next month. So it should be shipping pretty soon. It's looking pretty good. I mean, just if nothing else, it's a different theme. We've talked about this before, but yep. it's like this Mad Max style blimp filled crazy looking thing. <laughs> it's it's not like frumpy looking dudes in the Caribbean. No, we like we like crazy themes. The more crazy, the better. Yes, sir. Speaking of frumpy looking dudes, we've got Anno eighteen hundred, Martin Wallace's new game. Uh-huh. Uh, this is based on a PC game, though, so it's not really his fault. <laughs> the theme is already there. Sure, but sure. Cosmos has been doing these, like, like digging into uh, board games based on PC games. They did like City Skylines last year, which wasn't very good. We'll see how this one does. It's Martin Wallace, so it can't be bad, right? I hope not. No, it looks, <laughs> it looks it looks really good. I like it. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping it's good. You know, video game themes always interesting. It's got tech tracks, which I love in any game. And it's kind of a racing mechanic too, which makes sense when you're doing shipping. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. Very cool. Praga Kaput Regni, Vladimir Suchi's new game. There are now videos up of this. Some people have their hands on it. They've been playing it. I don't know when we can get our hands on it. I think Rio Grande picked it up. So it'll probably come out in like January, February. That's usually when mm-hmm. their big new game comes out for the year. But yeah, I talked about this as an acquisition disorder. And I really would love to get this game because it's Suchi, man. My, my boy Suchi. Yeah, it's the Underwater Cities follow-up. Like, <laughs> you got to get in on that. I know he's got I'm other good games, you. but that's the one I go to. That's true. All right, number two right now is Hallertau. This is the new Uwe Rosenberg game. It is. Uh, it looks to be a big box game. It's like 80 euros, I believe, which is means it's in the U.S. it's going to come out between 80 and 100 bucks, probably. Um, so big box. We've got... Clemens Franz artwork on the cover. You've got expert level lookout spiel game. It's got all the hallmarks of a classic Uwe Rosenberg game, um, which we honestly haven't had like one of his big box games in a while now. So yeah, that's true. This one is about growing hops in Bavaria in Germany. Okay. So I, I don't know if you're actually making the beer or just growing the hops. It looks like you're just growing the hops, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> like, who knows? I don't know. We don't know a ton about it, like mechanically. It is out now. You can order copies from the Lookout Spiel website. Mm-hmm. It will cost you all the monies, so I don't oh recommend boy. you do it because it's yeah. like fifty dollars to ship it overseas. But oh, the U.S. version will probably come out sometime next spring because it's the Asthma Day funnel. It takes a while to get here, but it looks interesting. Like it's big, sprawling boards. You've got all these different, you know. Uh, cards that are going to be flowing through these different uh, mechanics that you're working with. You have a, a tableau in front of you where you're placing different things down that are going to build out and generate different resources. So a lot of the hallmarks of an Uwe Rosenberg farming game, but mm-hmm. uh, and worker placement, of course, because it's an Uwe Rosenberg game. Um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I like this. Looks nice and clean. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if it's in like the Nusfjord um, <laughs> level of games where it takes an hour or two or if it's in the... Uh, Fields of Arl and uh, sure, uh, the big Viking level, Caverna level type of game. All right, and the number one on the list is The Lost Ruins of Arnak. This is CGE's other big release for the fall. Um, big, big box. Uh, combination of worker placement and deck building. I actually got a copy of this as well. So this is next up on my table. It's sitting there waiting to be played. And it looks fantastic. I don't like, I really liked um, their most recent game, Sanctum. But mm-hmm. this one, just looking through the rules, playing with fiddling with the bits, like it just looks like this big sprawling, just, I don't know. It's like what CGE is, to me at least, known for is these big, massive, meaty games that manage to weave in the Euro mechanics into a system that doesn't normally have them. So 
I'm excited for it. This is a theme I always really like, though, like exploring in the jungle. And so we'll we'll see how it goes. I'll probably review this one next week or the week after. But it so far, so good. It's looking good. All right. And then just a handful of other things that kind of popped up in the videos and, and the feedback that we got. The Red Cathedral is a new game that is up right now. I think some places got copies in, actually. They are sold out of them, of course, quickly. Um, this is from Devere Games, our friends over there that we've worked with before. And it's about building St. Basil's Cathedral um, in Russia before the Soviet Union. And uh, it, it looks really cool, actually. I kind of overlooked it, despite the fact it was at the top of that Essen list. But based on what I've seen in the videos now, the unboxings and everything, um, it's looking like a game that I'll probably want to pick up at some point. So definitely can see why people are hot on that one. Another one that I hadn't actually heard of yet, so I saw this one for the first time this weekend, is Furnace. Um, this is the new game from Ivan Lashin. And Ivan Lashin worked on Smartphone Inc. So, Ooh. yes. <laughs> uh, so this one instantly got my attention. It's from Hobby World, so it's not from the same company. But it has a really stark, cool, industrial-looking cover. It is got mechanic. It's got auction and bidding, fixed placement. It's got card drafting. But at the end of the day, it's an economics game. So you are a 19th-century capitalist building up industrial corporations, trying to make the most money. So it's it doesn't look like it's heavy at all. It looks like it's like an hour long. So similar to like smartphoning, kind of like boiling things down. But thematically, it's like following along with like things like an Arkwright or a Brass you know, in that weight range and simplicity of like a smartphone where the complexity comes in the decisions you make, not necessarily the mechanics. So I'm pretty excited for this. Actually, it looks really good. Yeah, absolutely. And then just for you, because I know you'll love this, Twa the Dice Game. Uh. <laughs> uh, so this is the first I've actually seen of the mechanics of this. They announced it a while ago, but they hadn't actually put any information up. So there's a few videos up now. It is a, it's a roll and write. I mean, it's, of course it is. Everything's a roll and write these days. There's a little circular tableau in the middle. It actually moves around to tell you how much the dice cost. You roll them out and then you have to pay for them based on where they're located. So you are paying for dice, but there's always going to be at least one or two that don't cost too much, <laughs> you know, similar to Twa. Same art style. It looks really good to me as someone who likes roll and writes and twa, but this is like your anathema. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's 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 a game, so uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'll like it. Maybe maybe that's the version that'll win me over. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm open to it. <laughs> you sound so excited. Eh, you know, it, it it is what it is. Yeah. So there you go, guys. That's uh, about 20 or so games uh, that were either announced at Essen, released at Essen, or played or discussed online at Essen uh, over the weekend. All right. So that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. <laughs>